Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. Father, thank you so much for the joy that it is to worship you together. Thank you that we are your family by your grace and for your glory. We praise you that there is no one like you. You are faithful. Your faithfulness is under the sky. Your love endures forever, and your mercies indeed are new every morning. God, where would we be apart from you? We acknowledge your faithfulness, and we ask now as we continue in worship, Lord God, that you would guide us according to your will and your way. Thank you for the honor that you've given us to be here today. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, good morning, Grace Fellowship. Good to see some folks we haven't seen for a while. Hi, Ron and John. Great to see you. So um, I'm going to talk first today about an update, an update on our Vision 2020. 2020 has been an interesting year, has it not? <laughs> been a really fascinating time. Did anybody anticipate where we are and what's happened? Nobody anticipated, but guess what? God knew. And guess what? God is faithful so at Grace Fellowship Church, as long as we've been doing this now, which I guess is close to 13 years, we try to do the best we can to listen to God. And then we make plans based on what we think God is telling us. And then he does it a completely different way than we actually planned. And then we make it look like we intended it that way all along. So we had kind of proclaimed this back in the fall of last year, say it with me, expand a dream, plant a church, and transform a region. So if you remember, the vision was in the area of the harvest, which happens to be a cafe, a bakery, and a food pantry, we had actually intended on breaking down walls and expanding construction-wise to allow more people to be seated. Well, guess what? People weren't seated for a long time. We also uh, planned on building in a counseling center, and what we heard as elders was, wait, don't do that right now. And so as we waited on the Lord, he showed us how he wanted to do it for now. And so here's what happened. I want to say, first of all, in the Dream Center, we never provide food or have a gym or do any of the things that we do on Adopt-A-Block just for the sake of providing food or social justice. That's not what we do. This is actually meeting a need in order to build a relationship so that others come to know the love of God as expressed in the Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So when, when we kind of engage in this over time, uh, we know that God's going to have his way. We just need to listen and follow. So before the pandemic, in the um, pantry itself, we had approximately 60 visits a month to the pantry from fam- families coming to get food. Last month, we had 106 visits to the pantry. Before the pandemic, we did approximately 2,400 pounds of food per month. Last month, we did 5,300 pounds of food um, during this time. 
before the COVID um, pandemic, many families were coming every week. Now, uh, once a month, now they're coming every week. So God is expanding the dream just in a different way than we thought. And we now have engaged in a partnership with the York Food Bank, and we'll be picking up 7,400 pounds of food this coming Thursday to continue to distribute for the glory of God. So the Harvest Pantry is asking for food donations for Thanksgiving and Christmas meals. There's a list of items that's needed on Facebook, and it'll also be on our website. The cafe, by the way, has served 561 to-go meals just this month alone. So we're seeing God expand the dream just in a different way than we thought. We also didn't choose to build the counseling center, but what? guess what? God's expanding the counseling ministry of Grace Fellowship Church. We have had historically two professional counselors on site, John Burchard and Mary Jane Cronister, uh, one with In Him Christian Counseling and the other one with Safe Harbor Christian Counseling. We've added new counselors during the pandemic. Paula Hoffman is now with us. Uh, Alexa Gladfelder, who is an exercise specialist and who is working, holding classes in the Lord's Gym, And the two of our own now are actually counseling here at Grace. Shannon Gilbert is now a counseling counseling intern here at Grace Fellowship Church. And Tyler Shuley is now a professional counselor here at Grace Fellowship Church. Can we give a round of applause for Jesus Christ in that? So if you've been with us any amount of time, you know, Shannon and Tyler, they've been with us for years, years and years. Tyler has just grown up in our fellowship, went away and was trained in Philadelphia as a counselor, and now he's actually back here at home as a professional. Just, just an incredible gift to see Jesus work in and through Tyler. So we see God expand the dream in ways differently than we thought. Now, let's move on to the next one, plant a church. Um, who in their right man would plant a church during a pandemic? Anybody want to sign up for that? And yet God is the one who does these kinds of things. So as crazy as it is, God has planted a vibrant kingdom expression right in the middle of York City during this time. And the the formal launch of Zeal Church was last week. I had the honor of being there on Sunday, and I just wanted to show you a few little video clips of what I was able to bring back. So take a look. together uh, there. I think uh, some of you here today were also there, but there was a little over 80 people at the launch of Zeal Church, and it was electric and alive and amazing for the glory of God. That gentleman you saw being baptized there was one of three that was baptized that last Sunday morning, and uh, his name is Anthony, and we met him on a block, adopt a block probably, what, eight, ten years ago, something like that? And he is standing there now proudly displaying a Zeal Church t-shirt, and he is on the team along with many, many others who are really called by God now to spread the gospel in York City. So um, just give a round of applause for what Jesus has done in planning the church. 
So thank you for being willing to play a part in that through the generosity of your giving, through your prayers, and through your participation. God is indeed at work, and we praise him for everything that he is doing. We also uh, proclaim transform a region. And, you know, it's a little hard when you're supposed to stay in your houses to actually do regional transformation. Um, However, I want to tell you that when we held off on some of the construction, the Lord said, use some of my money to help other kingdom expressions. Now, we've been told this is nuts because during a pandemic, you're supposed to kind of like pull in, right? You're supposed to hold off and you're supposed to say, well, let's just wait and hold on to our money. It's not our money anyway. It's God's money. And hold on to it to see what happens. And God's saying, no, I want you to give. I want you to give. So I had the honor of contacting other pastors, other leaders of local ministries and saying, Grace Fellowship Church is in a position to help you financially. If you need help, we'd love to do that. And can I tell you, when I'm on the phone with other pastors, I hear silence. And they go, I'm so humbled right now. I tell you, I called pastors that I was having a really hard time getting a relationship with before the pandemic. And can I tell you, after that call, they were quick to text me and call me and communicate with me. Can I tell you that God's building relationship here by his grace and for his glory? So while it would be hard for us to disclose to you the fullness, just know that your giving has benefited other kingdom expressions, including parachurch organizations and other Christian organizations that were really wrestling during this time by his grace and for his glory. We as Grace Fellowship Church have been able to participate in giving to the kingdom of God all throughout this region. Praise God. Praise God. Okay, so today I culminate a series and I also kind of do a one-off. <laughs> one-offs are when you kind of have a message that just stands by itself and I'm culminating a series called When God's People Pray, but I also have a calling on my life to preach concerning the election. So some of you just applauded, few of you, <laughs> and others of you... And others of you tightened up a bit. Can I tell you I have been tightening up a bit? Now, I'm going to speak to you from the Word of God, which is what we're committed to doing here, ongoing. But I want to talk to you about something called kingdom confidence. My question to you this morning is, how many of you would like to be more confident in your relationship with the Lord and the way in which you walk here on planet Earth? Show of hands. How many of you would be less inclined to fear and more filled with faith, especially in the difficult times like we find ourselves in now? If you want to be that person, I want to tell you something. My life has been changed in the last three weeks. I was really shaking going into this election. You're saying, man of God, you were shaking? Yes. I shake. Can I tell you something? In my flesh, I'm extremely timid. Can I tell you in my flesh, I didn't really even want to come out here this morning. Because I don't really want to say hard things to hard people. In my flesh, I'd rather get you to like me. You see, in my flesh, which is where I walked before Jesus Christ, I had a PhD in impression management. What that meant is I could figure out what you'd want me to be, and I would become that just so you would like me. Do you understand? 
So if you're an independent, I become an independent. So if you're a Democrat, I become a Democrat. If you're a Republican, I become a Republican. If you're a Libertarian, I become a Libertarian. If you are an alien, I become an alien. (laughs) You understand where I'm coming from? That's the way I lived my life before Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, it was absolute bondage from the pit of hell. Why? Because I didn't know who I was. More than that, I didn't know whose I was. See, I belong to Jesus Christ. I'm a son of the Most High God. I'm deeply loved. I'm fully pleasing. I'm totally forgiven, accepted, and complete in Christ Jesus. I am a child of the King. That's our identity. Amen, my friend. And so this morning, I speak to you as a brother. I speak to you as a pastor. And I most of all speak to you as a child of the King. I long for us to grow together in such a way that we understand the depth of God's love for us and that that love comes to us and moves through us in such a way that he reaches more and more with the mighty news of his gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So I I think this whole idea of fear and faith is very important because I believe we are at unprecedented levels of hatred in our culture. I have never seen such hatred in my whole life. My parents are both home with the Lord. Praise God. But I think what my dad would be thinking right now if he was seeing what's going on in my country. Wow. Just wow. I have to say this. I'm not sitting there wagging fingers at people outside of this room or even outside of this pulpit. This potential for hatred lives inside of each one of us. And if you don't know that, Go to the scriptures and allow God to show you your own heart. Look, you have far more potential for destruction than you think you do. But you have far more potential for glory than you think you do too. When you align yourself with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and when you allow him to work through you, you are now light and salt in the earth. You live a life that is counter-hatred. Now, look, when I say counter-hatred, I'm talking about the hatred of people. God hates stuff. God hates certain ideas. God hates sin. Why does God hate sin? Because he loves people and sin hurts people. Say that after me. Sin hurts people. So God hates sin. Why? Because he doesn't want to see you suffer unnecessary pain. He loves you. He wants to save you from that. And he indeed has. The question is, will we receive his invitation? When I think of hatred, the hatred that so fills our world, I often reflect on a God moment that I had in a theater years ago. And by the way, I get God God moments in movies. Anybody with me? I'm not just talking about like Christian movies. I'm talking about any movie. All truth is God's truth. Say that after me. All truth is God's truth. So I often reflect when I think of hatred back on sitting in a theater and seeing the new release of Star Wars Episode One, And the truth came from Yoda. That should be no surprise. Yoda, wise man, indeed he is. Some of you picked up on it. You see, Yoda was on a little team of people that were considering Anakin Skywalker for trainee as Jedi Knight. And and, and Yoda looks at the boy and he says these profound words, 
I see much fear in the boy. Fear leads to anger and anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering. And I went, oh, that's Jesus screaming through to me. Fear is path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. And hate leads to suffering. And I went, wow, how true is that? May I remind you who Anakin Skywalker becomes? He becomes Darth Vader. And that guy goes, and he's under that helmet. And he's a purveyor of evil. Can I remind you that inside of every Darth Vader is this frightened little boy? Can I tell you behind every bully is an insecure and fearful child? So next time someone gets really angry and up in your grill, what you need to do is turn to them and pat them on the head and say, Oh, it can't be okay. Try that. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor right now. Pat him on the head if you dare and say, Oh, it don't be okay. See, Tracy and I, we've learned that this is true. Behind that anger is often this fearful place. Anger is always a secondary emotion for the most part. Yes, there is righteous indignation, but there's something underneath it, a feeling of helplessness, a feeling of sadness, a feeling of hurt, whatever it might be. And so whenever you have a Darth Vader in your life, you have to see beyond the surface to the core. And the core is fear and deep-rooted insecurity. Now, don't you wish it was easy enough just to turn to your spouse, your neighbor, your political opponent, and just say, oh, it's going to be okay. (laughs) And don't you just wish it all went away? But it's not like that. You know, Yoda at least identified part of the problem. The problem with Yoda is he didn't tell Anakin the solution. He could have followed this profound statement with, The boy, come to Jesus, he must. (laughs) Right? He could have said, fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. The boy, come to Jesus, he must. Because if you want to be a warrior for light and for life and for love, come to Jesus, you must. He is the answer. He is the answer. So when we talk about all this chaos that we're living in right now, you have to understand something. It's not principles that are the solution. It's a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Listen to 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not been made perfect in love. Where does perfect love come from? His name is Jesus Christ. He is perfect love. He personifies love. He is God and God is love. Now, first off, there's no one living here on planet earth who's been made 100% perfect in love yet. When you die, if you are in Christ Jesus, you will be face to face with the one who is love. And the scripture says you will be made just like him. All of your fear will go away. And you will live a life 
that is beyond your imaginings forever with Jesus Christ if you are in him. Now, if you're not here today, if you're online today, if you're here today and you don't need Jesus Christ, can I beg you? Can I beg you to come to know him? Can I tell you there is no life outside of him? Can I tell you if you do not know him, you are destined to spend an eternity apart from him? Can I tell you you don't want to go to that place? Can I tell you that it's easy as just asking him to come into your heart? acknowledging that you are a sinner in desperate need of a savior. I don't want to even give you the words this morning. You have your own words. All you need to say is say, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm a sinner. And I accept your gift of salvation, your blood shed for me on the cross. Come into my heart and make it your home, Lord. I give you my life. I surrender all to you. However the Lord calls you to say that. Is it really that simple, Jeff? Yes. Doesn't it cost? Yes, it cost dearly. But guess what? He paid the cost for you on the cross. He shed his own blood for you that now you have a free gift of salvation that is not based on anything you do, more or less anything you haven't done. It's based on faith and grace. See, God gave his graceful gift in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we receive it by faith. And once we cross from death to life, then he infuses us with his Holy Spirit and brings life and light to us that we never had before. Sometimes we have instantaneous things. Sometimes it just grows over time. But when we go to see him face to face, we will be free from fear 100%. In the meantime, we trust God to grow day by day, moment by moment, being less fearful and more faith-filled, and we can have complete kingdom confidence in the here and the now. This is what God has done for me in the last three weeks, and it's what I'm praying God does for you, not just in regard to the election, but in every area of your life. So how does this tie to corporate prayer? Well, we're going to look a little bit today and how we come together in corporate prayer, also in prayer and solitude, because I got to tell you, prayer is the breeding ground for kingdom confidence. I want to say that again. Prayer, which is nothing more than communion with God, it's communication, it's a love relationship with God. Prayer, whether it's independent prayer and solitude or corporate prayer, which is what we've been talking about, that is the breeding ground. That is the fertile soil for kingdom confidence. In other words, if you're going through life shaking all the time, if you're going through life without kingdom confidence, you need to seek the Lord in prayer. You need to develop and deepen your relationship with him. So today we're going to look at Hebrews 12, verses 18 through 29, as we better understand what it means to long for God together, to wait for God together, and to grow in God together. So if you have your Bibles, you can open there with me. Verse 18, you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm to a trumpet blast. Remember the return. God's pointing to Sinai where Moses went up to actually receive the law of God. He's talking about this mountain that was trembling and filled with smoke. You've not come to this mountain to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. That was the people of God during the time of Sinai and Moses. Don't talk to us anymore, God. We can't take it. 
Because they could not bear what was commanded, it says in verse 20. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Now, this is a clear pointing to the old covenant. And what God's saying is this, we're not coming to that mountain again. Things have changed. There's now a new covenant that Jesus Christ has ushered in for us. And it is such good news. You are no longer under law, but you now live under grace. The law was given to you to convict you of your sin. The law was given to me to convict me of my sin. It was a mirror I could look in and I could see my desperate need for a savior. My inability to obtain the perfection that God demands. I hold up the word of God. I hold up the law of God and I say, woe to me. I am a man of unclean lips and an impure heart. I am broken before you, God. And that is called humility. And humility is not an option for the follower of Jesus Christ. It is a cornerstone. Because if you call Jesus Lord, that means he's your boss. And guess what? You have to resign as boss of the universe. You have to resign as boss of your own life. You have to allow the word of God and the spirit of God to tell you things like, hey, I love you, but you're flipping wrong. (laughs) Now, how many of you like to be wrong? How many of you, when you're in a fight with your spouse or anybody else, and they tell you, hey, this is true about you, you're wrong. How many of you are just ready to say and jump in and say, oh my gosh, you're absolutely right. No, what's your first pretense? What's your first defense? Every single one of us has this little attorney that lives in our head. Little defense attorney. And that little defense attorney is ready to step up, fold their arms and say, my client is really not all that bad. How dare you attack my client that way? But see, the word of God is sharper They need a double-edged sword. Dividing joint and matter, soul and spirit, it examines and reveals the motives of our hearts. Folks, you better know Jesus if you start looking at the motives of your heart. You better understand his grace and his forgiveness. Because if you look there and you don't understand the grace of God, you will be eternally horrified. But if you understand the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, he will take your muck and your mire and your filthy rags and he will turn it around for his glory. And guess what? Eternally, you will share in the glory of God. That's unbelievable. That's grace. Listen to verse 22. See, the author, whom we really don't know who the author of Hebrews is, we have some guesses, but we don't know. But in verse 18, you hear this, you're not coming to that mountain again. You're not going to that old covenant again. You're coming to something new. Listen, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's, by the way, called the city of peace. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. The fearless ones made perfect in love. To Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant. That is the pinnacle. 
Right there is the one that we seek. We don't seek principles, we seek a person. And his name is Jesus. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Remember, the blood of Abel was blood of condemnation. The blood that you receive is the blood of grace and forgiveness and loving kindness. I don't know about you, but when I read that, you've come to a city of thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Do you go, oh my, like, I don't know about your heart, but I'm like, I want to be there now. God is saying, that's what we're coming to. Verse 25, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? 26, at that time his voice shook the earth and now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. Now listen, the word once more indicates the removing of that which can be shaken. That is created things. So that what cannot be shaken may remain. Verse 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Well, listen, (laughs) the truth about this is that God is calling us to something that is so beautiful so beautiful, that comes as a result of dwelling in his presence. Now look, God is always with you. If you are in Christ Jesus, God is always with you. He's closer than your breath. The question that God begs you is, will you be with me? He's right here. He's right now. He's closer than your breath. Remember the Hebrew definition of heaven wasn't a place out there. It started right here, closer than your breath. It's a spiritual realm in which God lives that is right close to you. And yes, it ascends forever. It's God's kingdom. It's heaven. But God is saying to you, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Will you be with me? Now, when you start practicing being with God, by the way, it does take practice. It takes practice to become aware of God's presence in your life. It takes practice in the word. It takes practice in prayer to come deep in the Lord, to grow deep in the Lord. But when you grow deep in the Lord, God creates this portable sanctuary of a soul in your heart. You see, it's it's, it's like a temple inside of you and God lives in it. Remember God dwelt in the tabernacle, right? In the tent. You're a tent. And God dwells inside of you. And the more that you become aware of that, and the more that you worship him, and the more that you talk to him, and the more that you listen to him, especially in the context of community, but also alone, the more that you develop this place of confidence that is beyond understanding. Well, what? how does that happen? When we come together in God, in prayer, we long for the Lord together. We long for the Lord together. Now, look, I don't, I don't know what you long for. Some of you say, well, I, I just long for, you know, a new car. I long for a girlfriend. I long for a boyfriend. I long for a husband. Let me talk to you about that one for a second. I've had to say this to a lot of people recently because I've entered into a lot of troubled marriages recently. And by the way, who's married that doesn't have trouble? Anybody? Yeah, okay. That's our sin. But I always tell single people, the only thing that's worse than being single and wishing you were married is being married and wishing you were single. 
So look, marriage is not the answer. You know, like, when we long for things, and we say, I'm longing for this. Can I tell you that everything you long for here on planet Earth, you can take and trace it right back to Jesus Christ. Because what you're looking for in a marriage is really fellowship and love. You're looking for love and security, significance and security. Guess where you will find significance and security? In Jesus Christ. You're looking for in a new car. Well, gosh, I'm going to look good driving down the street. Well, first of all, you're not going to look as good as you think you are. But second of all, in that, you're looking for significance. Guess what? Who will make you more significant than you can ever imagine? Jesus Christ. See, everything you long for is truly found in him anyway. It's just that you and I have been deceived into thinking that we can take refuge in the creation rather than in the creator. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to shake all those created things so that what will remain are those things that cannot be shaken. But we have this sense of longing within us for the things of God. Whether we identify them as of God or not, what you're longing for is him. St. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Ever feel like you're wandering around planet Earth just trying to figure out what's going to fulfill you? I've been in Jesus Christ for 36 years. Can I tell you I still wander around? I still wander around. Like, what the heck am I supposed to do now? What's the next right thing? Oh, maybe I should pick up a hobby. Oh, maybe I should do this. Or maybe I should do that. Or maybe I should do this. And then I hear this still small voice come inside my soul. It says, Come away, come away, come away with me, my love. Come away, come away from this mess. Come away with me, my love. You see, Jesus is calling to you. He's saying, if you just come away and be with me, if you'll set yourself apart and be with me, I will fill you from the inside out. And then the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, what you're longing for is God. You just don't know it. The scripture says, but you've come to Mount Zion. That's the place of God. To the living city of God. To the heavenly Jerusalem. To the peace of God. The place of peace. You have a little Jerusalem in your soul. And God is calling you to identify that and spend time with him there. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. God is a God of peace, and God is a God of joy. And for those of us in Christ Jesus, we do cut, we do bleed when you cut us, we do cry when we're hurt. But we are defined by his presence, which is filled with peace and joy and confidence in our King. To the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, we long for him, for a manifestation of his presence in our lives. I would ask you to answer the question, what am I longing for? And do I truly believe that it's solely found in him? Well, so we wait together. This is the next thing we do. He says, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. So the first thing is we're longing for things that are to come. We're longing for things that we know are of God. We're longing for him. But here's the truth. We're also waiting for other things to be taken away. 
Because see, when he comes, he's going to make all things new. You know that? He's going to wipe away every tear. How many of you would like to be done with sobbing? Do me a favor. Just raise a hand. I'll call on you. Shout out something. You can't wait to come to an end. You can't wait for what to come to an end. Just put up your hand. Shout out something. Yeah, right there. Masks. Praise the Lord. For some of us, we're going, it's already come to an end. Just take the thing off. Others of us like, put it on, put it on. See, we're so easily divided. What else? What else do you just can't wait to come to an end? Yeah, right there. Huh? Pain. Oh my gosh, my ankle thanks you. Kim. Divisiveness. How many people can't wait for us to be unified under one king? Thank you. The world in its present form is passing away. Joe, you had something, bro. Did you? Pain. Pain. Another pain. How many people say amen to pain? Addiction. Addiction. Oh, my gosh. Do you know what addiction is? It's putting something in God's place. Period. It's lifting your soul up into an idol. That's what it is. And then it develops a life of its own. In the back, that, right there, that brave hand. What do you got? Sin. Amen. Everybody say Amen. Look, look, God, when he comes, he's going to make things so beautiful that you can't even imagine. Let me give you an example. Do you ever realize that when you walk outside your door in the morning and the birds fly away, that there's something wrong? Do you realize it's not supposed to be that way? You know, birds are afraid of you. You know, that's, that's the result of sin. You know, that's the role of the fallenness of the world around you. Can you imagine walking out your door and the birds coming and lidding on your shoulders and not leaving anything behind? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine what it must be like to not only live in con- complete uninterrupted intimacy with God, but also with each other and then also with all of creation? Can you imagine what a peach is going to taste like in the new Jerusalem? I mean, they're good now. Can you imagine? You see, there's things that we long to have come and there's things that we long to have go away and we wait on the Lord for those. Listen to Psalm 37, 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. How many of you are looking forward to the end of wickedness and deception and darkness? Yeah, let me tell you something. That devil's going to be cast into a lake of fire and he is going to be gone, dooby-doo, down, down. And all of his demonic horde are going to be with him. So the next time the devil reminds you of your past, you just remind him of his future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, right? Because he is done with now. The victory blow has already been suffered. He, he knows it. He's done. question is, do you know it? You see, because God longs for us to know that so that we can wait on him together. So we long for him. We wait on the Lord together and we grow in the Lord together. Now, look, this is where we're going to spend some time kind of talking about the implications of having kingdom confidence. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, cannot be shaken. Listen to these words from David in Psalm 62, 1 through 2. And I, I encourage you to memorize these words. This has been my mantra. This is how God's been speaking to me. Deliver me from becoming derailed 
over a stupid presidential election. Now, I don't say stupid because it doesn't matter. It does matter. But it doesn't matter most. I'm going to say that again. This presidential election matters, but it doesn't matter most. You are citizens of a kingdom, a kingdom of God. You are not first and foremost members of a constitutional republic. You are not first and foremost members of a democracy, whatever you want to call it. That is not your first and foremost membership. You are members of a monarchy and you have a king. And guess what? He has no term limits. He is not up for re-election. No one will ever usurp his seat. He remains there. So no matter who becomes president, your king will remain the same. His name is Jesus Christ. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is what matters most. He is what matters most. This presidential election doesn't really matter a whole lot in comparison to that. However, it does matter. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But see, I was becoming derailed in my soul over this election. I watched the first presidential debate. I still think that we should all be entitled to some kind of settlement from the government for enduring that. I don't know about you, but I had post-debate traumatic disorder. <laughs> and then these words came to me, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my refuge. I will never be shaken. Can you say that with me? I will never be shaken. Now look, this is a conditional clause. This in scripture is a phrase that can read like this. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. Now listen, when he alone is my refuge, my hiding place, then I will never be shaken. We'll say it again. When he alone is my refuge, my hiding place, then and only then will I never be shaken. By inference, this is saying if you're shaking. By inference, this is saying if you're being derailed over anything around you, guess what? You are taking refuge in the wrong thing. You are hiding in the wrong place. I don't know how many of you when you were kids, you liked to hide. I like to hide. Anybody like to hide when you were a kid? Yeah, we used to build forts. One of the things we did was we build blanket forts in the living room under chairs. Anybody ever do that? Remember, you get all the blankets in the house and you say, hey, mom, hey, dad, can I get... And you set up the chairs and you put all the blankets over it and you crawl in. And you're under the illusion that mom and dad can't see you because you can't see them. I'm hiding. And yet mom and dad are like, hey, we know you're in there. You see, what happens is we build cardboard castles and blanket forts here on planet Earth. And we try and hide in things that we have no business hiding in. We try and take refuge in things that we have no business taking refuge in. We actually think things are a rock and they're really a paper bag. He is my rock and my refuge, my salvation, my stronghold. All of those words communicate safety in time of trouble. Follower of Jesus Christ, child of the Most High God. Doesn't matter what happens during this election. Doesn't matter what happens tomorrow or today. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are kept safe in him. He alone is your refuge. 
And when you know that, when you know that, not just here, but here, then you will never be shaken. So what does God use to get us to that place? Shaking. It says it. He's going to shake everything that can be removed so that what cannot be removed will remain in you. The kingdom of God in you. The king in you. The love of Christ in you. Salvation in you. In us together. See, this is what God calls us to. The question is, will we be with him? Because he's certainly with us. The more you are with Christ Jesus, the more that you will understand this. I was starved for quiet recently. I went to this beautiful place with my wife called the Grotta, uh, the Shrine of the Grotta. Now, by the way, it's a Catholic place, and so don't start crossing me off. There are Catholic brothers and sisters who do love Jesus, by the way. But yes, at the Grotta, there was some Mary worship. Guess what? I just walked by. But there was a lot of beautiful things. There was like mosaics and sculptures. And I was out in the middle of this place that was acre after acre after acre with benches to sit on. And guess what? When you walked in, it said, you are now entering the shrine of the grotto. Silence, please. There were 50 to 100 people that we saw walking around this place. And everybody, except one woman, God help her, was quiet. Was quiet. And I'm thinking... Oh, this is reverent. This is awe. This is a place of thanksgiving. Tracy and I spent two days there, and we spent hours there each day in our journals, praying, seeking the Lord. And guess what? This wave of the Holy Spirit swept over my soul, and I started getting a sense of peace that I was missing. Why? Because God was with me, but now I was choosing to be with him. Son of God, daughter of the Most High God, will you choose to be with him? He is faithful. He'll show you the way. Yes, it will be a struggle. Yes, it will not come naturally. Yes, it does require you actually surrendering your own opinions and your own attitudes. It requires you actually lay everything down before him. For you're supposed to crawl up on the altar and offer your whole life to him. He's very gentle. He's very kind. He's so loving. But he is God. So he's good but he's not safe. If you want to stay safe in your own attitudes and your own opinions, don't go to Jesus. Because he's going to wreck you. He's going to mess you up inside. He's going to show you things that you do not want to see about yourself and he's going to tell you, follow me. He's going to say, come and see how I live. You're going to but can't I bring my brand new car? No, you have to leave it behind. Did the pastor just tell me just to have to get rid of my car? No, I didn't tell you to get rid of your car, but I did tell you this. If Jesus tells you to get rid of your car, you better be willing to get rid of your car. Because you'll never find in your car what you can find in Jesus. you never find in your house what you can find in Jesus. So when you come to Christ, you lay it all down and say, it's just shaking me up anyway. It's got me, God. I want to rest in you. I want to find refuge in you. I want to have kingdom confidence in you. I want to go place where I'm burdened by the weights of this world and the ways of this world. I want to be a member of your kingdom in such a way that I am walking free in you, Christ Jesus. There's a lot of fear-filled little boys and little girls out there. Allowing fear to lead them into anger and hate and causing a lot of suffering. I don't want to be one of them. How about you? 
One of our overseers for Grace Fellowship Church happens to be my own personal coach. Yes, I am a pastor who has a coach. And uh, my coach talks with me every two weeks on the phone. We spend at least an hour on the phone. His name is Keith Yoder, and I am deeply grateful for him because God uses him to speak into my life. And so in our last conversation several weeks ago, he recommended that I prepare a pre- and post-election message. And I went, hmm, that's fascinating. He said, because people are getting so shaken up over the election. And, and God you know, started whispering to me. And so you see the theme kind of revealing himself in this message. The theme is Jesus. And of course, he's saying, I have given you a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And as you take refuge in me, then you will never be shaken. But I'm going to shake you up until you actually put all your trust in me. So for the remainder of our time together, today, we're going to talk about the application of our faith in the context of this election. How we prayerfully vote and how we handle the outcome of the election. For I want you to be ready. For this part, I've borrowed words and ideas from other pastors. Because many of you have shot me Facebook message after Facebook message after Facebook message after Facebook message with the same message. So thank you for the 25 of you that sent me Pastor Gary's message from Virginia. And thank you for the 50 of you that have sent me these other messages. I didn't have time to respond to all of them, but I have listened. And guess what? Not only have I listened, but the elders listened together. We as elders listened to messages from other pastors. And we sat together for over three hours on Friday and we sought the Lord. And I said, dare I break the rules? We examined the rules and we realized the rules really weren't of God anyway. Can I tell you that whenever you break rules, it's uncomfortable. You should apply this to your own life, by the way, because you probably have some oppressive rules in your life, maybe in your family system, maybe rules that God never really put in place for you. And when you break them, you always feel uncomfortable. Now, I was feeling pretty uncomfortable this morning. Can I tell you right now, I have nothing but peace. That's only by the grace of God. I had my brothers laying hands on me this morning, and I have full release from them, and I have full covering from them. As a matter of fact, some of them will be up here afterwards, after service, standing right up here, not to protect me physically, Although, you know, that might be a reality. They are big, so, you know. But they're here to actually enter into conversation with you because some of the things that I say today are going to be hard. So first of all, I'm going to tell you, I'm talking about issues like abortion, uh, gender, homosexuality, transgenderism, and issues that specifically pertain to the Democratic and Republican platforms. I want you to know up front that if you're here or you're listening online, if you've had an abortion, If you struggle with same-sex attraction, if you call yourself a lesbian or gay or bi or transgender or queer, if you call yourself a Democrat or Republican independent, I want you to know something. Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ loves you so much. And guess what? We do too. We love you. And love sometimes says really hard things. But I just want you to know, if you're in any of those categories, we're grateful that you're here with us today online or here in the sanctuary. If you're new to Jesus Christ, this is not the typical message at Grace Fellowship Church. I hope that you'll hang in there with us and and give us the opportunity to show you the love of Jesus Christ ongoing, because it is really what we have in our hearts for you. I want you to know that some of what I say today may offend you. Now, I don't set out to offend anyone But I deeply believe this, the word of God equally offends every single one of us. So if you're here and you're seeking Jesus and you don't want to be offended, go get some more experience. Because Jesus Christ will offend you. His word will stab you in the heart. It'll stab you in the head too. Because what you're thinking needs to change. 
So the ground is level at the foot of the cross and we are all sinners before a holy God saved by grace. So when we consider your sin any greater than our own, it's us and Jesus and that's the truth. But what we will never do at Grace Fellowship Church is stop speaking the truth to try and appease anybody. We will speak the truth as best we know in the love of God. And I hope you hear the heart of God in me today. That was my biggest prayer. God, just let your heart shine through. Your heart is for people. It's not against people. We agree together as elders that withholding the truth of God is not loving anybody. Second, you're free to disagree with me. This, as a matter of fact, is America. And at least at this point, it remains a place where we're free to disagree with each other. You are also free children of God, so you may disagree with me, but I want to ask you if you do, that you will defend, I will defend, I want you to know, I will defend your right to disagree, but I also want to ask that you would defend and stand with me in my right to speak, okay? For too long, pastors have remained silent about these kinds of issues. And you know, you know that I I haven't been that kind of guy. Like I I say things that sometimes are hard and I even have meetings this week for people talking to me about things that I've said in the last few months because they disagreed that I should have ever said them. Now I want to sit and I want to listen and I want to be open to correction. But if correction is not needed, then I want to be able at least to say, look, I'm a pastor. Pastors are supposed to shepherd people out of darkness into light. That's my job. I'm sorry if you don't like it but I will not change who I am or my role in order to appease anyone. So here's the truth. Some of you may leave Grace Fellowship Church as a result of what I want to say today. Please know if you choose to do that, that's not our heart. We don't desire anybody to leave Grace Fellowship Church because they disagree. This is a place where different political ideologies are welcome. This is a different place where viewpoints are welcome. However, we submit ourselves to the authority of the word of God. So these truths may ruffle some feathers to say the least. But the reason why we're committed to doing this is because we fear God more than we fear you. We want to please God more than we want to please you. And so I'm not, if I'm not speaking truth, I'm not loving you. Listen to 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 25. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. That's not just me, folks. That's everybody in the room. So can I give you a little heads up on Facebook and social media? Some of you are not being kind. I mean, you have the truth, but man, you're just not being kind. I don't care, you know, who your enemies are. Or what they think. The scripture is clear. Jesus says, love your enemies. Bless them. Pray for those who persecute you. Like that's, that's the calling. And the Lord's servant, that's all of us, must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Oh, we just spend a month of Sundays on that one alone. Right? Those who oppose him must be corrected gently. So I'm aware of the mantle that God has given me. And I plan on, by his grace, having reasonable and civil discourse with people ongoing about the things we're going to talk about today. So I want you to understand something. Um, The elders will remain available to you ongoing after the message today. And if I sound angry today, I'm not angry at you. 
And angry, honestly, I'm not even angry at Donald Trump. I'm not angry at Joe Biden. I'm not angry at Kamala Harris. I'm not angry at Mike Pence. Can I tell you something? That has taken some work. That is taking me seeking the Lord. And before, I'm, I'm so glad that it was, you know, about a month ago that I felt any resentment in my whole be- soul being displaced by love. Can I tell you something? God has given me a heart of love for Donald Trump. Give me a heart of love for, for Mike Pence and for Kamala Harris and a heart of love for Joe Biden. When I look at these people, I feel compassion. I just want you to know that. I do. And that's the work of God, not me. Because in my flesh, I'd hate them. I'd hate some of them more than others. Okay, anybody say amen with me? But God has given me a heart of love and compassion for these people. And I pray that you would stay close enough to Jesus so that he would give you his heart for them. Right? Because you can disagree with them and you can hate what they say and you can hate what they stand for, but you still can love them. And you can forgive them. So if I sound angry today, it's righteous indignation because I hate some stuff that God hates. So I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer as we transition into this time. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness to guide us. I think that you are gentle. I ask now that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear what you are saying to us today about having confidence in you especially concerning this upcoming election. I ask, Lord, now that you would not allow what I say to divide us, but rather you would use my words to bring us into greater unity as brothers and sisters in you. Help us to know that we are free to disagree with one another, but we can do it kindly and respectfully. And help us to seek your face, to understand and act on what matters most, for that's where you'd have us focus our eyes. In Jesus' name. Amen. So as I mentioned, after that first debate, I was shaken. How can I vote for either of these men? How can I vote for any of these individuals? How can I cast a ballot that says I'm going to stand with Donald Trump? How can I cast a ballot that says I'm going to stand with Joe Biden? I don't know about you, but to me it looked like a choice between a pompous donkey and a senile old man. I don't know if that's the way you felt, but that's the way I felt. And I was really shaking. Now, some of you are saying, you shouldn't be in that place. Well, that's where I was. And I'm like, I, I, I don't really know what to do. Colossians 3.17, it says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That should include voting. <laughs> Whatever you do, do it in all the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come under his rule and reign. God, how would you rule and reign in me in the context of this election? Listen to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God, you can guide me through this. God, you can help me to sort through all this according to your word and according to your ways. And you can help me to come to a place of kingdom confidence as I walk into this election. I pray that what we talk about in the next few minutes will give you absolute confidence in how you enter into the election, but also a confidence in your decision-making and confidence in coming out of it when we know the outcome. We must allow God to take us to a higher place. Now listen, this is very important. The higher place is this. We have to vote based on what matters most without discounting what matters 
I'm going to say it again. We must vote and live our lives and make our decisions, not just about the election, based on what matters most without what, without discounting or diminishing what does matter. Now, can I tell you something? Character in presidential candidates does matter. It does matter. But can I tell you something? It doesn't matter most. Some of you are saying, how can you say that? I, I, I will try and talk to you for a few minutes about that. As followers of Jesus, we don't make issues our primary focus. We don't even really make principles our primary focus. We make a person, his name is Jesus Christ, our primary focus. We keep our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. But what happens when we do that is that there are principles that flow from his person. And those principles come to us through his word. And so we actually then allow Jesus to reveal to us principles that therefore break down the principles of this world and we are transformed. We are transformed. We're able to see and test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. As a result, glory is brought to the name of Jesus. So I want to focus a little bit on what matters most. There are principles that we can live our lives on and how communities are cared for. I want you to know that there are people who believe as a a pastor, I should never talk about politics. I vehemently disagree with them because Jesus should be king, king and rule and reign in every area of our lives. And that includes how we vote. And that includes how we, Jesus cares deeply about how people are cared for. So our country was founded on Judeo Christian ethics. And that's why our country has flourished, because God has blessed our country. Amen? So God needs to be sought to direct how we vote. So we're going to turn now to this whole idea of principles over personalities. We know it's a person we seek. We know that um, principles flow from him. And we're going to focus a little bit now on what matters most. Character does matter, but it doesn't matter most. So let's talk a little bit about some of these things. I'm going to read from the platforms of both parties. I and the elders, we talked the other day about matters that most, things that matter most to us. Um, so there are all kinds, there's a multiplicity of issues in this election. There's all kinds of things you could look at. You could say, oh my gosh, Donald Trump, his character is horrible. Joe Biden, he's so forgetful. Like all these kinds of things. I heard one pastor, Pastor Gary, who I borrowed a lot of this from in Leesburg, Virginia. He said, I, I kind of really... In my heart, if I just was based on character, he said, I'd like to vote for one because he seems like a grandpa kind of guy that would take you out fishing. You see, the other guy seems like he's the guy that owns the boat and would make fun of you because you haven't caught any fish. He said, so if I was just voting based on personality, I would probably choose the old grandpa got a guy. He said, but I, I don't want to make my decisions just based on personality. I have to make my decisions based on the principles that come from the king. Like I have to look to him. So we're going to look at religious freedom, which I consider something to be of paramount importance. Okay, and I'm going to read to you um, from the party platforms. And I'm going to ask you to tell me which one of these sounds more like a biblical world view. If you are in Christ, you're supposed to be in his word. I'm in his word with you. And we're supposed to be in his word to transform us and to give us a biblical worldview. So I'm going to read. First one is this. I'm not telling you what party it's affiliated. We celebrate America's history of religious pluralism and tolerance. And we recognize countless acts of service of our faith communities, as well as the paramount importance of maintaining the separation between church and state enshrined in our constitution. Stop. So I'm just going to say, first of all, 
The separation of church and state isn't even in our constitution. All right. So I just want you to know that. But that's the first one. Here's the second one. I'm going to read this one to you. We value the right of America's religious leaders to preach and Americans to speak freely according to their faith. We believe the federal government, specifically the IRS, is constitutionally prohibited from policing or censoring speech based on religious convictions or belief. We pledge to defend the religious beliefs and rights of conscience of all Americans and to safeguard religious institutions against government control. We strongly support the freedom of Americans to act in accordance with their religious beliefs, not only in their houses of worship, but also in their everyday lives. So, okay... It's fine. It's fine. Which one is closer to a biblical worldview? Number one or number two? Number two. Number two two is a statement from the Republican platform. Number one is a statement from the Democratic platform. We're going to move on. Okay. So uh, beyond religious freedom, let me get to one. There we go. Um, That makes my blood boil a little bit. Okay. So you have to understand when the enemy wants to attack He's going to go after the root. Because he knows the fruit comes from the root. You can understand that when he's attacking, you often can trace his attacks right back to the beginning of the book in Genesis. So he created man and woman to reflect his image more fully together than either could alone. Okay? He gave marriage to be a lifetime commitment between a man and a woman. And he assigned gender. I'm not trying to be insensitive to anybody here. I'm just trying to say if you're buying into this this belief that somehow there's more than two genders, you are defying God's word. We love you, but it just ain't so. It's not. Do you realize that Facebook, when they first bought into this, because this became a political agenda that is transforming our land, They put options that you could choose for 70 different genders. So when you signed up for Facebook, you could say, my name is Jeff Smith. And if they ask if you're, they don't ask if you're a man or a woman. They ask you if you're one of 70 different types of genders. Now, by the way, they cut it back because I think they even thought that was ridiculous. But can I tell you something? God said that we are created to be man and woman, period. And that marriage is between one man and one woman for a lifetime. I'm not trying to knock you if you're here and you're divorced. Tracy and I acknowledge it's only by the grace of God that we haven't divorced each other, more or less killed each other, right, honey? I mean, we're doing pretty well now. But by the grace of God, like it's only by the grace of God. So listen, I'm going to read you platforms on marriage and sexuality. Here's the first one. We applaud this year's U.S. Supreme Court decision that made it clear that employment discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity violates the law. We will fight to enact the Equality Act. We will work to ensure LBTQ plus people are not discriminated against when seeking to adopt or foster children, protect LGBTQ plus children from bullying and assault, and guarantee transgender students access to facilities based on their gender identity. That's statement one. We're going to go on to statement two. This is a statement from the other party. Foremost among those institutions is the American family. It is the foundation of civil society, and the cornerstone of the family is natural marriage, the union of one man and one woman. We oppose the imposition of a social and cultural revolution upon the American people by wrongly redefining sex discrimination, reshaping our entire society to fit the mold of an ideology alien to Americans' history and traditions. Which one of these... 
Number one or number two is closer to a biblical worldview. Can I tell you, it broke my heart when I heard Vice President Joe Biden say that he believed an eight to a 10 year old should be able to tell their parents what gender they are. Folks, that's revealed to us when the baby's born, now actually in utero. And God chooses our gender. So if you're here and you think you're the wrong gender, look, our heart is with you and for you. Look, I I have things I wrestle with too, but can I help you understand something? You're not defined by your gender. God loves you. And he created you to be who you are. Trust him with that. Don't feel like you have to become someone other than who you are to be accepted or be loved. God loves you just where you are. And this deception is from the pit of hell. Folks, I got to be honest with you. 10 to 15 years ago, we weren't having conversations with your young people about whether they were going to cut off their breasts. We weren't having conversations with our young people about whether they were another gender. Do you realize that that all came under the previous administration? Do you realize that all that ideology was ushered in politically? And it infiltrated the culture in which we live. That makes my blood boil. I don't know about you, but I hate that. You know why? Because I know it's bondage. Can I tell you that even the brightest psychologists and psychiatrists of our day are saying we are killing our children with this ideology. And they are being stifled and silenced. They're not even believing people. They're just social scientists that are saying this belief is killing people. And yet, this is being ushered in. Let's take a look at Israel. I'm going to try and go fast. We recognize the worth of every Israeli and every Palestinian. That's why we will work to bring to an end to a conflict that has brought so much pain to so many. We support a negotiated two-state solution that ensures Israel's future as a Jewish and democratic state with recognized borders and upholds the right of Palestinians to live in freedom and security in a viable state of their own. We oppose any unilateral steps by either side, including annexation that undermine prospects for two states. It's kind of complicated, but I'm going to go on to the next one. Beyond our mutual strategic interests, Israel is likewise an exceptional country that shares our most essential values. It is the only country in the Middle East where freedom of speech and freedom of religion are found. Therefore, support for Israel is an expression of Americanism, and it is the responsibility of our government to advance policies that reflect America's strong desire for a relationship with no daylight between America and Israel. We oppose any measures intended to impose an agreement or to dictate borders or other terms, and we call for an immediate termination of all U.S. funding for any entity that attempts to do so. Our party is proud to stand with Israel now and always. Okay, so I don't really need to ask anymore. It just seems very clear. We know the first one was the Democratic Party. The second one was the Republican Party. We're going to continue. Education. This is where indoctrination is happening. We believe that education is a critical public good, not a commodity. Listen. And that is the government's responsibility to ensure that every child everywhere is able to receive a world-class education that enables them to live meaningful lives, no matter their zip code, race, disability status, sexual orientation, gender identity, or household income. Let's look at the party um, other than that. Parents are the child's first and foremost educators. 
and have primary responsibility for the education of their children. Parents have a right to direct their children's education, care, and upbringing. We support a constitutional amendment to protect that right from interference by the states, the federal government, or international bodies such as the United Nations. We reject a one-size-fits-all approach to education and support a broad range of choices for parents and children at the state and local level. The first statement came from the Democratic Party. The second statement came from the Republican Party. Now, look, this one is huge. That's with a Y-U-G-E. Life. We will appoint U.S. Supreme Court justices and federal judges who will respect and enforce foundational precedents, including Roe versus Wade. Sorry, I put a word in here I shouldn't have. Is it in there? Uh, you know already. Believe every woman should have access to high-quality re- reproductive uh, health care services, including safe and legal abortion. We oppose and will fight to overturn federal and state laws that create barriers to women's reproductive health and rights. That is language pertaining to killing children in the womb. That is not women's health, and that is not reproductive rights. Our reproductive rights have to do with how we reproduce. This one is devastating, folks. This doesn't stop at abortion. This goes back to God's design for sexuality, that we are to wait on being sexually intimate until marriage. Marriage is designed to contain sexual intimacy. So this is a huge issue. Listen to the other party's response. The Constitution guarantees that no one can be deprived of life, liberty, or property deliberately. That goes the Declaration of Independence's proclamation that all are endowed by their creator with an inalienable right to life. Accordingly, we assert the sanctity of human life and affirm that the unborn child has a fundamental right to life which cannot be infringed. We support a human life amendment to the Constitution and legislation to make clear that the 14th Amendment's protections apply to children before birth. Now look, all I'm trying to do, I was told I should do this dispassionately. That was a good word, but I'm sorry. It's hard. This one's a no-brainer. Now listen to me. You can disagree with me. But these issues are ones that we consider most. And they are much more important than someone's personality. So you have to understand that you choose what matters most without discounting what does matter. Okay, do we think that Donald Trump could benefit from going away to, what do they call it, finishing school? Come on, applaud. Come on. Yeah, like, I think he needs to walk with a book on his head for a while. I don't know. Like, you know, but, like, he's raw. He's rough. Like, I'm not endorsing any candidate. I'm just saying, like, I find at times the way he responds to people repulsive. I do. I feel that as vehemently as I feel these other things. But guess what? It matters. It doesn't matter most. It doesn't matter most. These things matter most. You get to decide. You go away with God. You talk to Jesus about this. But you go to the scriptures and you allow God to speak to you from his word. And then you walk with great confidence throughout life, making decisions based on what matters most. 
Now look, we, we provided a voter guide for you. I think they're available on the way out. All of these statements come from that voter guide, so you can look on that voter guide. You can have confidence coming out of the election because I want you to understand something. You are members of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Right? So, look, here's the thing. The deduction does matter, but it doesn't matter most. It doesn't. What matters most is your relationship with Jesus Christ. What matters most is our relationship with him. And when we seek refuge in him alone, then will we never be shaken. Now, look, there's room for us to be disappointed either way, coming out of this election with the outcome. Disappointment is one thing. Being derailed is another one. And if you find yourself being derailed emotionally as a result of the outcome of this election, can I tell you something? You are seeking refuge in the wrong place. You are seeking refuge in the wrong people. Look, if this comes out in a disappointing way, guess what? Jesus Christ is still king. Can you say that with me? Say that out loud. Say it out loud with me. Jesus Christ is still king. Say it again. So listen, I'm going to end with Psalm 27 as I call the team out. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Actually, I'm going to start all over again. Would you say this out loud with me, please? One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and he will set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Now, when I first read this, I thought, that's beautiful, man. David, this only do I seek. And then I read, he will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent. And I went, God, are you going to hide me in the shelter of your sacred tent? I mean, I don't want to complain, but is a tent the best you can do? I mean, can't you put up some brick walls or something like a tent? And then I realized that that tent was the tabernacle. Remember, it was the portable sanctuary where God's presence was. So listen to me very carefully. Better to be in a tent with God than in a castle without him. Amen. Where is that tent today? It's right here. It's right there. You are the tent, the tabernacle of God. And Jesus Christ lives in you. So do not fret, beloved of God. He who lives in you is greater than he who is in the world. So no matter the outcome of this election, he still can be trusted. Because he remains king. And one day his kingdom will come fully. And his will will be done fully. Right here on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we together long for you, that we together wait for you, and that we together grow only in you. You have given us your word. May it be a guide to our feet that we would walk in paths of righteousness for your namesake. May we, Lord, vote with confidence. May we hear the outcome of this election with confidence. Not in who is elected, but in you alone. 
For when you alone are our refuge, our hiding place, then, only then, will we never be shaken. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Amen. In way of reminder, I want to help you understand, oh, I don't think I have my slide up there, that this coming Wednesday, we will be praying right here at 7 o'clock in the worship center. Please come join us. We will be praying about kingdom confidence and about the outcome of this election and our, our decision in walking into it. God bless you, Grace. Let's stand together and sing one more song. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.